Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. LaFondra looking to get side of LaFondra away from Davis. 3-1 running. Three points running. Gloomy, bleak, misery, sadness, despondent, embarrassing. Those are just a few of the words you could use to describe the mood of Reading fans the morning after the night before. The unpleasant start to 2022 continues for us as we're knocked out of the FA Cup to Kidderminster Harriers, 79 places below us in the pyramid. Welcome to Elm Park Rules Podcast, sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food, where we find ourselves in Groundhog Day, nearly four years today since Stevenage away. And I've been joined by Matt and Jordan, not the therapy, but to hopefully work ourselves out of a potential rage room situation this morning. Gents, how are we doing? I'm doing all right, thanks. Um, I travelled to Kidderminster and on the way home, I decompressed. So it, sometimes a two hour trip home is a good thing. Um, although, you know, driving down the M5 uh, early on in it, I was still still pretty angry. So. Yeah, maybe this will be useful. I, I think I had the opposite. I had my nice two and a half hour train journey to stew on things. Um, and I think I worked myself up into more frustration than less. But night sleep, hopefully a new new outlook. Um, and yeah, happy to have a chat about it all. It's a new day. It's a new dawn, Jordan. So, you know, hopefully a new outlook as well. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Um we won't start with the match. Let's just jump straight into the big topic. Is Panovic staying, Matt? Or is he going? What What's going on? I would find it very difficult to understand how he stays, um, given yesterday. And it's not just that we lost to a National League North side, um, because let's face it, that can happen in football. Sometimes it does. Like We're not the only team to have been knocked out by non-league opposition. But the fact is that it happened in such a way that it's consistent with the problems that we've seen so far. That that what happened was Reading retreated into their 
turtle shells, as uh, Callum wrote on the Talhurst end, an excellent piece. Um, and, and they never came back out of them after the first goal. And Panovic's comments to do with Aruna's injury, like, if you're being kind, you could put that first goal down to that because, okay, we made two subs, Aruna gets injured straight away, we have to make another sub, we don't kick into gear, and five minutes later they score. And like, okay, maybe that's down to that injury, but you have to then pick yourselves up and and kind of regroup. I, even at the time, I think I said like, okay, this is probably going to be a good thing for us because we have to play on the front foot now. And it was just, we didn't. Well, I don't think we had a shot like after about five minutes of the second half. I mean, maybe there was one, I, I don't really remember it, but yeah, it's just the, the, the thing that, my kind of counter argument to that is all kind of practical. Like January is very busy. When would a new manager get to have time on the training ground with them anyway? Like Paunovic already knows this team. If we've got transfers lined up, bringing in a new manager might completely change the way that those go and, and things like that. But like as a result, clearly it's bad. And clearly at the very least, if he gets to Fulham, like and this is the other thing like the game's coming up where is he going to pick up points in those anyway and it, the pressure's just going to build i think yeah the pressure is is definitely building as you say we've got fulham on tuesday middlesbrough next weekend and it's it's difficult just to see where the next win's going to come from um because at the moment every game almost feels identical uh, if i'm honest um jordan was yesterday a uh, this is this was it a new low for Reading since the turn of the century? Those, oh, those, those, um, it's a very, it's a very it's so hard. Yeah, hard, <laughs> um, hard topic to uh, to answer. I'll be honest, I don't know that this is the lowest I've ever felt as a, as a Reading fan. Um, I'm trying to think like where I've felt worse, um, but I guess. I guess this situation we're in, maybe maybe this is it. I think the wider situation we're in goes so far beyond players and managers that actually the fact that we lost yesterday didn't change all that much for me. Um, just like winning yesterday wouldn't have wouldn't have meant a lot. Wouldn't have it would have been great, but wouldn't have meant a lot in the long scheme of things. Um, losing yesterday either you know, it doesn't shift my position, which is that, um, you know, we're in a bit of a difficult place now and it's going to be for a little while going forward. Um, so I think for these like lowest of low things, um, I don't know, it feels like there's been been worse situations. I'm, I'm trying to think back to like what the, the end of... Um, you know the the first ownership after the we came down from the Premier League and all the the fallout from that and desperately scraping for new owners and selling Alf and stuff like that. That maybe felt worse. There's no doubt it, it was a really poor result yesterday, a historically poor result. And, you know, you can tell by all the places between the teams and stuff. Um, and no doubt, the whole club on and off the pitch is, is, is in a rut at the moment. Um, you know, so, so it's hard to see how it can get much lower, but 
hey, there's a, another half a season to, to give that a good go. That's the positive words I wanted to hear on a Sunday morning, yeah. Jordan. Thank you. Um, I do agree, though, with you, definitely. it's. Um, it, I think it's the wider situation which makes yesterday just that much worse. And it's it's not a case of yesterday being, you know, bad in isolation. It's 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 the you know it's the culmination of points deductions or terrible you know terrible tactical plans this season, injuries all over the shop. You know, it's it's just uh, it's the end result of a well maybe not the end result but it's a uh, you know it's just one more thing to add to a what is a just a really awful situation for the club at the moment. Um, and unfortunately, so much of it has been of their own doing as well, which just makes it all the worse. Uh, the, the press conference yesterday, Jordan, we'll, we'll just move on to that um, before we discuss the actual match yesterday. It felt like, I mean, I listened to it after the game and it felt a little bit like one of those press conferences where it was the begin, beginning of the end if that makes sense for a manager. Um, uh, Paunovic came out afterwards and uh, used the used the term that it was a good fitness test for people coming back from injury. And I feel like it's a, I feel like he's maybe missing the bigger picture of the fact that we've just been knocked out to a conference North to, or National League North team. Um do you think his? I mean, his press conferences have never been necessarily um, enlightening, shall we say? Yeah, I I agree. I think um, I I probably need to go and listen back to to his comments rather than just read them. Um, this isn't me giving him, him a free pass, but I do often think sometimes I I see comments from him and then I go and hear him and think actually maybe something got lost in translation a little bit or just the emphasis is slightly different. So I'll, I'll want to go and listen back to his comments, but certainly reading them on paper, they um, they weren't the comments I wanted to, to see. Um, they didn't fill me with a lot of confidence. Um, I think the, the, the good run out for injured players is true, right? Because he has said or shown, you know, what he thinks about cop competitions in terms of the lineups he picks and stuff like that. So I think there is an honesty about that, but equally there is a misunderstanding of the impact of his words, seemingly, if those are the, the things he chooses to say, because that is a fine enough thought in practice, right? And actually, if we're being honest, it's a thought that plenty of other fans have echoed, which is that, oh, let's play like, drink water and let's play you know i saw lots of comments be like oh hoyler should start because he's just come back from injury so why not give him a run out right so like let's be honest it's a lot of what the fans are thinking as well is that like kidderminster it's a good run out for guys coming back from injury but it's one thing to say that before the game and it's another thing to say it after we lose right so um the only other thing i'll say and this doesn't just go for pano it goes for everybody i think um I think like post-game press conferences, much like with fans as well, I think there should be like a 24-hour ban on any any comments so people sort of take a little step and, and have a little thing. Yeah, I think I think press conference 
comments post-match and stuff are always a bit of a minefield. And that's not to give him a free pass. It's just that, like, you know, the guy's clearly under huge amounts of pressure at the moment. Um, and um, the last thing you want to be talking about is is a game like this, to be honest, and, and a loss like this. But, um, no, they don't they don't fill you with, with confidence. Um, and I don't particularly find a lot of what um, he said over the last, you know, his entire term has been massively interesting personally so i kind of stopped listening to them for a long long time yeah i can uh, i can definitely agree with you it's difficult to take much of what he says in these press conferences with any kind of real um any any real gumption if that makes sense you, you don't really feel like you learn very much necessarily from from listening to them sometimes um Matt, I think one of the one of the criticisms that has been labelled against Paunovic over the last three or four months has often been that he's he's always had an excuse for for results. Um, I mean, yesterday there wasn't really much in the way of like a uh, I hesitate to say the word excuse. He didn't really come out with an excuse of you know players are injured or not played many games, etc. Um but it does it, it does feel a little bit like he maybe has missed the bigger picture, as I was saying, you know, before Jordan answered. Do you think that's just kind of him as a person? Do you or do you feel like he's maybe just not really in touch with what the fan base is, is feeling currently? I think it's press conferences. I think that he is somewhat protecting his players. I from everything I've heard about Paunovic, I would not expect his message to the players to be the same one that he gives to the fans. Like, you saw him on the touchline. He was not a happy person. Like, if, if you want passion, watch him in-game because there aren't many managers who get quite as worked up as he and the rest of the coaching staff. So it, I think it's just that he doesn't want to give well, I, I'm putting words in his mouth here, but it always feels to me like he doesn't want to give ammunition to people um, and and make a story out of the press conference, as it were, that he's basically being very cagey the whole time and that he will then go and address it in the changing room. Whether he ends up doing that, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the changing room, but that from, you know, we've heard of the famous Pauno doghouse, like, and, and, and the eating soup analogy, which you know, interesting one anyway, but um, that never comes out in the press conferences. I assume that must come out. And and maybe this is also why the team ends up sitting back and stuff, because the messaging that, that he's giving them is totally different to what he's giving us. Because like he comes out and says, yes, some wrong things, but also some right things. Like he, he always feels like in the post-match press conferences, it's kind of like, oh, I'm not sort of telling them to sit back and do this. This is something we have to fix and it's like so so why isn't it fixed and and therefore it leads me to think that as as Jordan says it might not be a tactical thing that he's trying to do but maybe it's messaging to players making them play in a certain way um I understand that that's complete conjecture um so I could also be well wrong but uh that's that's the feeling that I've always had that is what we're here for Matt is conjecture and conjecture and opinion um but I do agree with you it, it it's not necessarily I guess it doesn't. We can't tell that it's a tactic, right? To sit back because 
logically, who would who would give this as a tactic? Who who would say let's sit back when we're one 0 up against the side, eighty places below us in the in the football league? Well, one one thing I would say about that is that it gets written as a tactic when we play against Fulham and when we play against Swansea it's like this is a very good tactic oh of course you sit back and then you like soak up pressure and then you go and try and attack part of the problem that Panovic has had this season is that he hasn't had a counter-attacking threat so this hasn't worked quite as well as maybe it did last season but the other thing I, I kind of wonder is do we go into some games like, has it been drilled in that we play in such a way against teams like Fulham that we end up playing against teams like Kidderminster in the same way? Because if you look at the first eight games of last season, I don't think the tactics changed between then and now. It's just it worked in the first eight games of last season and it's not working now. Yeah, I I, I can definitely, definitely agree. Um, we probably, as I said earlier on in the podcast, a lot of our games in the last... I don't know, two, three months have been nearly identical. We, you know, we keep the game tight. We maybe take the lead and then we, we try to hang on and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and that's, that's what it's been like for the last few months. Let's get into um, the actual day yesterday. Um, we'll keep, I'm keeping an eye on whether there's any kind of statement you know, maybe there will be, maybe there won't be. That's kind of the beauty of uh, trying to record a podcast the day after the after the game. Um, Matt, Kidderminster as a day out, good fun, at least fun stadium. Um, um, the stadium was nice. I only got there about forty five minutes before kickoff and still almost didn't get in. But that's that's another problem. Um, it, I mean. I saw a tweet replying to Jonathan Lowe um, in the preview about the pristine pitch. Like, I don't think that it was of a championship standard, um, but it was still a very nice ground. Um, and um, Shane was saying it's kind of, it's more a football league ground than it is a non-league ground and 100% agree with him there. Um, as I said before, very upset I didn't get to try one of the pies. Um, I mean, most of my issues with, with yesterday were more about Reading fans and the way that we support a team than it is about anything around the ground. Um, the other thing about the ground, very easy to get out of when all the Kidderminster fans are still in the ground celebrating. So I'll give it that as well. Yeah, I think that's probably one where uh, it's not necessarily a positive on the ground, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, the, the away end was sold out, Jordan, yesterday. Um, I think there's there's been murmurings yesterday of, of I guess a, a disgruntled fan base let's put it that way in the away end yeah I'll, I'll be honest I was, I was really disappointed um with with our fans in in general to to be honest um I think look it talking about talking about fans and stuff like that it's always dangerous ground and the moment a manager says it they'll get absolutely um you know laid out to dry but me as a fan I guess I can do it with a little bit more impunity but I think um I think fans our fans have got to I think they've got to have a little little think and a little look in the mirror and and decide what they want supporting Reading to to be like 
or to be about, right? Is it something that you spend your hard-earned money on? You go, you watch it play out. If it's bad, you you have a moan and you come online, you have a moan afterwards, right? You know, like going to the cinema or something. Or is it like we're told it should be? Is it a shared experience, right? We we all think as fans, or we should think that we are part of this, you know, great theater or whatever, right? And that we have a part to play and that we can impact things. And I, I think we as fans need to need to have a little look at ourselves and think, if I want us to actually win this game, which we should all do, and Christ, if you're traveling up to Kidderminster, you should be going wanting to win the game, not to want to lose it. Um, if we want to win this game, do, you know, are we doing our part? Are we, you know, regardless of what's going on on the pitch, to be honest, are we doing our bit to help the team win? Because, and that's not me saying ignoring negativity, right? There's loads of issues about the owner. There's loads of issues about Pounder and whether he's, up to the job or whatever plenty of issues with the players well i get that i'm not saying ignore all the negative just be positive and you know cheer on for 90 minutes i'm not saying that but i'm saying you know if we truly believe that we have a part to play then then we're not doing it at the moment um and things are shit don't get me wrong things are shit but we also like yesterday was the absolute quintessential banana skin right we all talked about it before the game that like this is definitely set up for Kidderminster to go win, right? Um, and to, to embarrass us and it just adds to the bad situation at Reading. It was all set up for that. And we know that. And did we as fans just go and, you know, were we complacent? Because then if we were, then how can we blame the team for being complacent as well, right? Um, because that team that we put out yesterday was... Half of them were kids. The other half were guys who haven't played a huge amount of football recently. And I can tell you that we, as fans, made it harder rather than easier for them. You know, that should have been a really fun away day, right? And it should have been a really fun away day regardless of what happened on the pitch, to be honest, because it was a cool ground and it was standing and, you know, it's the FA Cup. Um, but I think too many people approached it fans before you even get into and we will dig into like what happened on the pitch and stuff too many fans turned up expecting a loss fine but with this mindset of um you know i've paid my money here so that i can go jump on some some errors there's tons of people you know i heard people on the train on the way up saying oh, i hope we lose so pounder gets sacked like if that's you can, it's fine to like think that or talk about it on the train, but don't take it into the ground, right? It's people sat by us or standing by us who you could tell game kicks off and they're just waiting, waiting for the first little mistake so they can, you know, bow into the players. Like there was almost no chanting, no singing. I had more chance on the train up than I did in the ground. And you just, I think we as the fans are not the problem at the club, far, far from it. But I think we do need to take some accountability for the small things we can control. Um, and we did not, if we actually wanted the team to win that game yesterday, we wanted to help those young guys through 
a banana skin game and we wanted to just do our little bit and i think we have to take some accountability because i don't think we really did it um and that's just a, and that's just a shame um and is something that we as fans are pretty entitled bunch and we will point fingers at the club rightly so and we will point fingers at you know what we see on the pitch and stuff but at the end of the day fans do have control over whether they grumble or not or sing or not or support the team or not and i think too many who went yesterday and a lot of us online um are choosing making the choice it is a choice to not really support the team at the moment um and whatever you think about what's going on that only makes it worse that doesn't actually help anything um so that's that was disappointing. That was disappointing to see, to be honest. Yeah, um, I I can attest to our, our fan base is certainly away from home over the last eighteen months, two years, three years, maybe. In terms of volume, noise, it has improved generally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One thing I will definitely, you know. One thing I'll definitely kind of uh, stand up for, having having travelled, you know, up and down the country for the last years, it's definitely improved and it, it has got better. Um, but yeah, yesterday, I guess, as you said, it was potentially a banana skin. We all spoke about it. It was very similar to the Stevenage game. What was it? Four years ago. We all kind of thought it could happen, and people turned up with the mindset that if it was going to happen, then you know, hey, so be it, I'll almost, you know, will it on kind of thing, which is, you know, if you pay your money and that's what you want to do, then by all means. But um, yeah, as Jordan says, it's uh, not always uh, not always going to be the best method of getting behind the side. Well, just one thing I would say quickly is there is also a distinction between not being good fans in the stand and then it impacting the play on the pitch. And like, I get when you're frustrated, you know, you want to let that frustration out in some way, but Reading had one really good attack in that second half and it was scuppered because there was a flare thrown from our own end. Like it was that, that is actively harming us. It's not helping in any way. It's doing harm. So, you know, I think, and all, and also the fans at the end who went onto the pitch almost solely spoiling for a fight. It's like this isn't the mid '90s anymore. Kind of, you know, I mean, they were all quite young. I'm not sure any of them were alive in the mid '90s, but like, it is. It's just, it, it is embarrassing from a like Reading fan point of view. We'll move on to the actual match. Uh, you know, seem to have not yet got into it, but we'll get into the match. The team yesterday was as Jordan has kind of alluded to, a mix of first-teamers and, and youth players. And uh, Matt Holzman made his debut. Drinkwater came back. Holmes was captain. Uh, Raphael in goal. Uh, the team was probably a little stronger than could have been expected, Matt, to start off with. Yeah, I was surprised that Hilalovic was playing um, because I guess he got taken off 
like midway through Monday. So maybe he was a little bit fresher than the others, but didn't turn out that way. Um, and I was surprised that Holzman has somehow jumped ahead of Stickland. I don't know. I don't know why that is, uh, because like not judging them on ability whatsoever, because I haven't watched enough of either of them, but it has always seemed like this season that Stickland is kind of like the next centre back into the team. So I don't know if that was, as Jordan says, almost a level of complacency that maybe this is a good game for Holzman to play in because, you know, or, or maybe Sigland's had COVID and isn't fit for 90 minutes. Like, who knows? But that was, an, I think that was the only selection that I was uh, like genuinely surprised by. The rest, you know, it is what we thought it was. Um, Osorio playing in midfield, I guess. I wasn't necessarily expecting to see him, but it was nice that he was playing. Um he didn't have the best game, but again, who who really did? Um, and it, I guess Clark or Puskas up front, it was going to be one of them, but it was just kind of a, a coin flip, which one? So, yeah, I wasn't unhappy with the, the selection. Yeah, I think we, we probably all could have, um, once we saw that lineup, I think we, we all would have expected them to, to come through that game unscathed, realistically, with the lineup that we put out. Um, and the, the, the first... 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the game. It was very, very scrappy. Um, nobody really got on the ball. I think the first chance of the game was a poor clearance from the Kidderminster keeper, which fell to um, Kamara, who he probably could have done better. Um, he, he's tried to... He's, he could have taken it around the keeper, and the keeper's come out very, very quickly after making his mistake um, and, and stopped the ball. Stopped the ball... Like near the edge of the area from from um, from Kamara's shot, that was really Reading's first and probably only chance of the first half of the first half. Um, Kidderminster definitely came into the game though, Jordan. I would say after that, and probably half an hour in or so, um, Raphael had to make a, his first proper save from a long long range shot. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was sort of like you know classic. Cups game sort of vibes in terms of um, whatever you want to think about about us, you know, Kidderminster were able to turn the game into a bit of a scrap, into sort of like a levelling sort of thing, like Max talked about the pitch a little bit, it wasn't quite like a bog that turns Premier League teams into long ball merchants, but it, you know, it wasn't ideal. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was just a, a bit of a scrap. You could see a bit of nervousness in our voice, certainly. Um, and, you know, Kidderminster did did their jobs. They, you know, they had a big lad up front who, who gave our centre-backs a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a game. Um, you know, that one great save was, you know, an absolute wonder shot. <laughs> that was a, a great save. And, you know, I saw that the, the chap, I think it was Amari, Sterling um, after the game was, was was tweeting about how he was desperate that had gone in and stuff like that one for his highlight reel. So like, I think you it know, was that's the way thirty yards or so. That yeah, 30, that, I mean that's the way yards. these guys approach the game, and, and absolutely is the way they they have to, right? They, um, you know, left it all out there. They didn't need any any motivation for it and stuff. Um, and you know, if, if we're being honest, you know, I I wasn't massively impressed with them. I think a lot of our issues were our own making, but they certainly played their part. They did their bit. They defended pretty well. Um, they were strong and aggressive. They had some 
some players who could cause us some issues. Um, you know, we'll get on to the, the goals they did score, but, um, you know, I think the issues were more about our inability to really impose ourselves on the game because actually, you know, they didn't, they didn't create a huge amount, but um, I think we've probably got to look at ourselves a little bit um, for that. Um, and not just the youngsters. Like, we, I, I, I don't want to get too deep into, like, individual performances, but, like, this wasn't a case of um, the young kids letting us down. That's all I'll say, because I think there were good and bad performances spread throughout the, the senior and the, the young kids, and some of them you know, looked fairly lively or, or, you know, had little flashes and stuff where they were pretty good. And you also had, you know, senior first team players not really meeting the mark. So it, it was, all I'll say is it, it wasn't the case. We didn't lose this because of those five or, or six, whatever youngsters that played yesterday. Yeah, I agree. There's no, there's no real, there's no blame to be put on anybody for yesterday in terms of, you know, sole individual performances um particularly from any of the academy players it's um when you come into a team which is obviously fairly disjointed um Mm -hmm. there's definitely a distinct lack of rhythm and and style of play as well especially in the first half um it's going to be very difficult to stand out like you just you're going you're going to struggle when there isn't that kind of like um i guess that that familiarity and, and rhythm within the team. Um, so it's, it's very difficult to kind of judge any of them too harshly, despite the fact that admittedly none of them played brilliantly because at the end of the day, we have lost 2-1 to Kidderminster. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, we did take the lead. It's definitely undeserved, but we were ahead by half time. And George Puskas has finally broken his duck after 85 games, or I don't know how long it's been. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, um, and he had that bit of luck that he might not have had recently because I'm pretty sure he was offside. Um, But sometimes you need... I mean, and thinking that he was offside, he probably should have left it to Delhi Bashiru. But um, hey, either way, I think it's probably going to go in. Um, It was actually... Sorry, Talking of luck, the, the, the bounce off of Delhi Bashiru's foot, it's <laughs> oh, yeah. not a pass in any way at all. No, no, the, the not, not even slightly. The just bounced up off of Delhi Bashiru's boot into Puskas's path. So it's, yeah. you know, definitely It's fortunate. actually finished really nicely, to be fair to Puskas. Like, uh, it, is, it is bouncing. Um, he takes it on on the volley and um, he definitely could have skied it. I mean... <laughs> And this is George Pushkas we're talking about. He does have a kind of penchant for shooting over the top. Um, but no, he controlled it nicely. He scored his goal. Um, I thought that was the first real period of possession that Reading had kind of strung together in the whole game up until that point. And um, sometimes you just need that. And and yes, it might be a little bit boring to watch. Um, coming back to maybe like some of the fans' criticism of that kind of two-minute period. But um yeah like you just need to get your foot on the ball you need to play kind of and 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 drag a side out of position before trying to go for that incisive pass which okay again got very lucky with it but but came off we did manage to hold on till half time um after that 
Arthur, it was a decent finish to Puskas. As Matt said, giving him giving him some credit, it was a good finish, even if there was a little bit of luck involved in it. Um, halftime came and went. We did make a sub at halftime, Matt, with Tom Holmes coming off um, as captain. From what BBC Berkshire had reported after the game, he didn't come off injured. So... Can you explain why Tom Holmes would come off? I know he's on a booking, but that seems to really be the only reason he would come off, surely. Yeah, I mean, he did kind of go through the guy um, to get that booking. And we hadn't looked comfortable, but my thoughts is that that must be a kind of long-term management of minutes played thing, that the only reason he's done it is so that Tom Holmes doesn't pick up an injury in that second half because he's probably one of the more like important players for us over this period, um, especially if Moore is out and we don't really have massive amount of centre-back cover, uh, as shown by the fact that Laurent is the one going to play there. Um, I mean, if, if you win 1-0 and that change is made, I don't think anyone really complains because Laurent has played well at centre-back. It's just, It was just a bit... With hindsight, when you also have to lose two extra subs to injuries, um, it becomes a bit more questionable. But that said, we we had five, so it's not like we're playing around with three. Um, yeah, it was just one that... I mean, if Laurent picks up an injury, it's the same thing, right? So a bit of an odd one, but not, not massively problematic, I didn't think, at, at the time. But also, and, it was like... So much of the game yesterday was um, just setting ourselves, not setting ourselves up for failure, but like everything about yesterday was just like potential for issues, right? Because like, let's be honest, if Holmes had played that entire game and had picked up a muscle injury or something and we'd won it 1-0 and we'd have been going into Fulham on Tuesday with Lauren at centre-back, like Pounder would have been absolutely crucified, right? But let's be honest, like we as fans and, you know, media and journalists that aren't journalists and stuff will pick up um, on these things and just pick and choose whatever is the issue that they want to go at, right? And like, whilst this is not me making a forgiveness for like how the game went yesterday, like whatever went wrong about it was going to get absolutely crucified. So... I think I think it has to be, you know, we can't have everything. We can't want a cup run and think staying up is the most important thing and want to go into Tuesday with two fit centre-backs, but also want one of those centre-backs to play the full 90. And, like, like we, we can't have everything. And, like, those are the sorts of choices that Paramount has to make. He's got five subs. You know, did I love seeing Holmes come off? No, not really. But equally, um, I'd much rather him play on Tuesday than play out the rest of the 45 yesterday. Um, so, you know, I think that those are the sorts of tricky decisions that Pano has to make. And we've criticised him for not making those sorts of subs before um, because of the injury issues that we have. My one thing with um, the way that the subs went yesterday is maybe it would have been better to start a more youthful team and then bring on more experience rather than going the other way around. But that's, you could then, like we could have been 2-0 down at half time then and it becomes even even worse. So I think this is one that you got to put down to the injury crisis. 
it wasn't the reason that we lost the game in the end because even Holmes wasn't great on a few corners in the first half and was mainly defending the back post anyway. So, yeah, it kind of is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> um, we did end up making two more subs fairly early on in the second half um, within the first 15 minutes. Both injuries, both players who've had multiple injuries, um, Halilovic, I'm not quite sure what his injury was, but he, he came off for Aziz maybe 10 minutes into the second half. Um, and then Araruna also came on and then came straight back off pretty much. Um, I think he was on the pitch for 100 seconds or something. And it looks like he's looks like a fairly bad injury yesterday, um, Jordan. It looks like he's dislocated his knee potentially. Yeah, those what, are things. I mean, give us some thoughts about what that does for our right back situation as well for the next <laughs> month. Yeah, I mean, you, you've you've got to just feel bad for the for the guy who's who's had a rough time things with injuries, um, and now, you know, has basically, I don't know where he would have been in the the pecking order in terms of right back with year um, but you'd think his his reading career is you know more or less over now, and and you've just got to hope you know, on a personal level that the guy can get back playing football at some point because he's basically had two years without it. Um, no, it's rough. Um, I think um, the Halilovic situation is obviously a pain. Again, you know, going back to the Holmes comment, right? It It's those are the, the, the decisions that the manager's got to make, right? Like, do you or don't you play Halilovic? Because how do you build minutes without playing them? But then how do you manage the minutes? And it's, you know, we are, again, I want to almost take Pauno out of the the situation where I talk about the injuries because they are just a facet of it, right? But like, how do you, how do you juggle all these guys who are constantly coming back from injuries, having to build fitness, but we know that the match load is pretty high at the moment. So how do you, dip them in and dip them out. And it's it's really tricky. And I think, um, you know, all these things, none of these issues are, you know, work in isolation, right? The fact that so many of our players have picked up knocks and have picked up knocks coming back from injuries, this is a cycling thing, right? It's, it's obviously about the injuries. It's about the profile of player we were able to bring in in the summer and the lack of football that they've generally played over the years and stuff like that. Um, you know, all these things are connected. So to see guys picking up injuries is massively frustrating, not massively surprising given the way that their season has, has, has had to go. Um, uh, and we're, we're just stuck in this cycle that it's really hard to get out of, which is we are consistently having a really small pool of players to choose from. Um, and what can you do, but try and try and be patient, but also try and get them back in the team. It's, it's, it's a really, really difficult situation to, to try and manage. It is a difficult situation for sure. Um, the injury is not helping matters in any way. And, uh, difficult situations are becoming a definite, um, pattern with this side because about 10 minutes after the Aruna injury, which lasted for about five or six minutes, I think on the field um, when he was then stretched off, 
we went we went ahead and, and conceded what was a fairly bad piece of goalkeeping map by Raphael um, for the equaliser. And I did say it on Monday that I would have preferred to see Southwood to try and keep a clean sheet because that's now no clean sheets in 12 games. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's not like Southwood hasn't made mistakes recently. Um, that is true. Very similar shots, but... Very true. The, the issue is that and and this is kind of like Paunovic is not at fault for the goalkeeper making errors, and the goalkeepers keep making errors, which is also not helping Paunovic. But um, yeah, it's just a disastrous bit of goalkeeping. Um, there is no way that shot should be going in against a championship level goalie. Um, and like, yeah, Rafael did that beautiful save in the first half. He actually came and claimed balls, or, or he didn't come to claim balls, but he he claimed balls. Okay. Um, but then you kind of have a howler um, like that and it, all of the good work is undone. Um, I think that's probably part None of the issue. None of it really of... matters, does it, after that? That's the problem. No, it doesn't. And um, I think part of the issue is probably bringing in a cold goalkeeper. Like, it's not easy, I would imagine, to be dropped in and out of games in, in that position especially. Um, and, yeah, it's just it, it puts us on the back foot. Like, as I said earlier, it, you can kind of understand what Pano was saying about the Aruna injury um, then leading to that goal because it ha- it all happens in such quick succession that Reading aren't able to kind of get back on the ball and, and play out from the back. But I mean, even with that said, like the goalkeeper should save it. And then the play after that, I don't think you can have that excuse. Um, Reading just never got going again. Yeah, it was very much like after that injury, we switched off completely. The off the, the power just went out and that was it. Because 10 minutes after they'd scored their first goal, Jordan, um, Kidderminster had a corner and, and got the winner from the corner. Yeah, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things whether that was or wasn't a foul or anything like that. I couldn't, you know, we were down the other end of the ground, right? So we didn't see it particularly well. All we could see was Raf's, you know, protests about it. I've watched it back since and, you know, there's probably a foul on Puskas. It's probably a foul on the line. But in the end, you know, that's not that's not the talking point post-match. Um, we, we didn't ever, you know, wrestle control back of that game um, at 1-1 or afterwards. Um, you know, it was a bizarre game in lots of ways, but obviously that huge amount of added time meant that we ended up playing what, like almost 20 minutes or more than 20 minutes at 2-1 down. And we, we played those entire 20 minutes, like we had a minute left of the game. Um, so, you know, the, you know, we didn't take a shot in that period. That's not surprising. I mean, we struggled. We struggled to get into Kidman. We struggled to get into Kidderminster's half because every time we did, we gave a foul away. I mean, yeah. I mean, all the play just dissolved into, um, you know, we went to four four two. We ended up passing it around from the keeper to Holtzman or Stickland to then try and play a ball into the channel for Aziz even though they were really deep. So there was no channel to hit there. 
and then trying to pick up the second pieces. And we did that some of the time. And Reno was quite good at picking up those second balls. Thought some of the fouls were probably unfair. There was one in particular that like Reno Mota picked up the ball, was driving at their goal, was fouled about three times, not given, and then immediately a foul goes the other way. So like, that's not me, again, putting blame on the ref or taking blame away from the players. I just think you see it all the time, right, that these things these things spiral. And when you're in a bad run, even one not as bad as what we're in or the situation we're in, when you're in a bad run, things just go against you. Um, and, you know, we just saw more, more bits of that yesterday, whether it's the goalkeeper, whether it's like a foul not being given on the corner and like these things just go against you um and it's it's on the manager and it's on the players to turn that around but i also it's i think it's really difficult to turn those things around like turning around bad runs of form is really difficult that's why most of the time it results in a manager getting sacked well once you're in that kind of i guess once you're in that mindset and once you're in that position in a game where you've gone behind like that it's it's very difficult to suddenly turn it around and then become the team on the front foot again. And yeah. that that was literally what happened yesterday. As soon as we went behind, we never, as, as Matt said, we never got control of the game again. And we didn't, I don't I don't think we had a shot after, mm. after we went 2-1 down, which against the sixth tier side is, isn't really good enough at all. You, like there's no excuses. It's not, not good enough to go 2-1 down in the first place, although it happens, but to not be able to try and even, come close to you know producing anything um it is, isn't good enough at all and certainly once we had gone two one down um i think it's fair to say jordan that the, the crowd turned on on Paunovic after that in the away end yeah I, i've probably said all i <laughs> should say about about the fans i don't think i don't think it turned I think it was always there. I think okay. the Pauno, the Pauno shouts came out at two one and stuff like that, and you know the fans made themselves very clear. And to be honest, I think at that point I get it. Like we're two one down to Kidderminster, I get having a pop at the manager, and I get having a pop. Less so, you know, you're not fit to wear the shirt to to five academy players. Not a huge fan of that, but that's personal preference. But I think. In those moments, yeah, sure, go have a little moan. It was the 70 minutes before that, that I had more issues with. Um, but yeah, no, it, 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 when we were 2-1 down and we were trying to attack but not doing a very good job of it, you know, it, the, the crowd wasn't great. But I understand it then. It was, it was more before that I had, I had issues with. Um, and uh, I mean... We saw Matt as well on social media after the game that um, Tom Holmes posted about somebody somebody swung at a family member of his and it, it just felt like there was a maybe an underlying um, underlying toxicity to the whole kind of away end after the game in the end. Yeah, it was a bit it's a bit of an interesting one um, because everything Jordan has said is true, but there were. I think it was a minority of, of people who um, kind of took it to the next level and, and were trying to bite people. Um, but it's just like, it's a ridiculous thing to do. Like, I don't, 
I mean, I don't know the context of, of what Tom Holmes um, family, uh, what went on there, but obviously swinging a punch at anyone is just like presumably supporting Reading and you knew they supported Reading is, is just ridiculous. And I mean, even if you're trying to fight the Kidderminster fans, like, come on, grow up. Like, just why are you on the pitch to begin with? Um, uh, I don't know, man. Like, it just wasn't a, a nice place to be at the end for various reasons. Yes, we've just lost. I, I wanted to leave because of that. I don't really get why everyone's sticking around trying to trying to make themselves look like Billy Big Bollocks. Maybe they were just waiting for one of these pies, Matt. I don't know. Well, there um, was a queue at the refreshments the whole whole game, Alex. But you know, well, with a sold out crowd, what can you expect? Um, we won't talk replacements for Panovic. There'll be names coming up on social media, I'm sure, over the next days, weeks, however long. This Are you firing him already? Well, I mean, I'm preempting what I kind of expected to happen in the last hour, but. I don't. I, yeah. I'm not convinced it will happen, and I know that. Well, okay, I'm let's, that let's in there the at the very end. This. Matt, you're saying it's not going to happen. Jordan, is is Panovic going to be managing Reading on Tuesday? Oh, um, given we didn't hear anything yesterday, and it's well, we're recording this quite early, aren't we? Um, if we don't hear anything by like lunchtime today, then yeah, I think I think he probably will. I think he probably will be. Um, I don't, whether it happens today or after Tuesday or in a week's time, I, I struggle to see him coming back from today. But everything that Matt said about the schedule is true, right? Like it's an absolute nightmare. And Pano, to be fair, not to be fair to him, but like he mentioned it himself in the press conference. He's like, don't ask me about how bad it is because it's going to be bad for a little while because he knows he's got Fulham and he knows he's got Middlesbrough coming up. Will, so, will Nick a draw against Fulham beat Middlesbrough and nobody will care about this result? That's what uh, always happens with Panovic. Like every time people have written him off, we somehow get results. So that's that's what I'm gonna believe in. It's almost like the players are playing for him, Matt. Oh, don't don't draw. <laughs> don't don't talk rubbish. Can't <laughs> can't be having that. Um, you know, if we get four points in the next week, then yeah, perhaps people will quietly forget about yesterday's result. But um you know, pigs may fly also. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. Fingers crossed. Um, yes, Panovic is still in charge at Reading. Reading are out of the FA Cup. Um, this has been a very long podcast. It's, I have to say, not really helped me. I'm still quite annoyed about yesterday. But um, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jordan, for joining um, the FA Cup continues to be a very unhappy hunting ground for Reading. And we hold the record still for the most losses in that competition, which is fantastic. Um, you know, it's one thing after another this season, isn't it, with Reading? Uh, happy 150th anniversary, everybody. Talk to you all very soon. <laughs>